Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. Are your mixing skills getting in the way of your success? Do you find that you have good ideas, but the end result is just not sounding as awesome as you know it could be, as you know it should be? Uh, If so, what can you do about it? That's what we want to discuss in today's episode, number 45 of the Make Music Income podcast. I'm here with my buddy Eric Copeland. My name is Stevie B. And uh, I'm going to look back today and discuss three of my approaches or ideas that have really kind of helped me improve the quality of my mixing uh, to a point where they're competitive with the other tracks on the uh, the marketplaces that I'm, I'm working with. And uh, Eric's going to discuss some of his ideas as well. Uh, But before we jump into it, as always, Eric, why don't you give the audience a little rundown of your week? What's been going on? Hello, audience. Um, Yeah, uh, it's been uh, a normal, uh, fun, crazy week here, um, starting with uh, some non-exclusive library things. Motion Array had a brief up for Twilight Zone type music. And that I just that struck on your, uh, me. Live stream. That just struck me, and I decided to do a little something. And um, I actually did it while we were uh, in class. They were all working on MIDI things, and <clears throat> so I worked. I just started messing around on Logic, and lo and behold, came up with something very, um, very obtuse and uh, uh, twelve tone. And uh, you know, there's there's not much tonality to it, but it's it's. Uh, it's fun. I, I kind of took the Twilight Zone version that I remember from growing up by the Manhattan Transfer that was like this disco version. It was had this mm, 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 going through nice. the whole thing like this kick drum. And I just made that the center of the universe for this thing. And then everything was just happening around the kick drum, you know, and all sorts of percussion and sounds. <laughs> and so um, put that up and... Got it approved. It's that's a beautiful thing when you put something up to Motion Array, and the very next morning you wake up and it's approved. And uh, so that's what happens with those briefs. It's kind of like a a three in one, as I described on my blog or on my um, vlog the other day. Uh, it, you get it right in to the library. You get it there forever, and it's a Halloween song ish, so it could be used for Halloween and yeah. things like that. So it's going to be ultimately useful all the time. And and the third thing is is that um uh what is the third thing um it's in quick it's halloween and oh yeah there's a possibility of a bonus if somebody right. decides that they like it and can use it now mm-hmm. it seems like to me the bonuses happen early like for the early tracks and I, mine was late to the to the party you can still submit to it now is, is the funny thing and you can submit so to me sometimes even if there is no bonus possible, I look at it as a way to, you know, get get something in quickly. Yeah, I wonder and, how they if they calculate the like. I wonder who, how they decide who's going to get the bonuses. Whether it's like I think it has to do with whoever the client was that that initiated the brief from them hmm. and what they picked right. to use. And right. I, I believe that's how it happens. But I don't know that exactly. That's a good question to ask them. You know, if we are looking at doing a motion array um, thing, it might. The last time I did a Motion Array video before I did that, actually before I've done almost all my videos, like Pond 5 and Motion Array, I have gone to them with questions, and they have sent me back answers that I was able to uh, relate to the video. Yep. And so we should do that too. We should like you know what? Uh, You're find out those right. pressing questions. Yeah, totally, totally. I should write them, and they are very responsive. I like that about yeah. them. Just ask, and you do it this time, and just ask them. We'll have a list of questions to find mm-hmm. out stuff that we know people ask us all the time. Totally. Why does it take so long to get in in the beginning? How long? Why does it take so long? You know, I I don't seem to. I don't think twelve days is out of out of uh, the realm of of of. Oh, I think that's twelve days is fine for me to wait to get my songs in there. Crucial music uh, to get to get those songs reviews is two months, and some places are longer than that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, for a quality library like Motion Array, 
you just have to plan. If you want something in at the first of the month, you better start in the middle of the month, you know, putting it in. So That's it. Exactly. you know how that goes. Exactly. So uh, plus that, besides that brief, I had three more approved this this week at Motion Array, and um, so that that library is growing now to getting close to 120 uh, things in that library. I really am trying to get that up to 150 or, or 200. I think in my particular case, I'm going to have to have a quantity up uh, that get that is findable for people rather than being the the superstar cool guy like Stevie B, uh, and and because I, I just I don't in, I don't do that music just because I don't a lot of times uh, I have some things coming up that I've been working on that are that are maybe down that road and we'll see if they accept them and, and see how they do but usually I'm just putting up goofy Twilight Zone type of things you know and <laughs> and the Latin jazz is what all got in this week you know so. Um, but, but one of my Latin jazz songs that I put up last year is still my biggest, uh, seller on there. So who knows? Um, I had an audio 100 audio sale uh, this week and for like 40 bucks. And I'm, and interesting. All that makes me do is just sigh and say, okay, now I'm going to have to put more up there because, (laughs) uh, whenever a library pays me, and they've never paid me or they haven't paid me in a long time, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I do need to put a few more songs up there because I only have like 10 or 15 songs up there. Mm-hmm. And and as we know, that's just not enough. Um, some guy asked on our Discord today, well, how can I do better in Audio Jungle? I've got like 10 songs up there and we're, or 20 songs up there. I'm like, Sigh. like put 200 songs up there. You know, Get as many as you can. Same with Pond5, all that. Um, so I've got a nice November, not a, I'm not getting a payment from 100 audio. I haven't had that many sales and that sounds painful. The process I've heard about from 100 audio to get paid. I but, think, you, I think um, it's, it's quite a, a deduction and in, in with the transfer fees and all that too. So I actually don't know what the percentage ends up being that, the, that is reduced from the, the, all the international transferring and everything. But I think it's, it's pretty it's pretty rough. You were a big proponent of them at one time and did a video on them in VFind. Where did you have you ever made any money from either? I've no, I've never gotten. Uh, well, I've I've had a couple sales in VFind that are still s- sitting there. VFind always struck me as the, the library that you need to keep feeding in order to get sales. With Hundred Audio, I got a lot of sales right away, um, and I'm almost at the threshold for payment. Um, but I lost steam there once I started. Um, getting more involved with with artlist and and things started to really pick up in motion array and i just kind of put yeah. all my my energy into that so um yeah, yeah i've never uh i should really just uh, i should upload it to to 100 audio and finally get that payout and see uh <laughs> see what it ends up being just out of curiosity <laughs> i'm gonna put some more up there um yeah i have a thing i assigned with vfine where i can't put something up to both vfine and 100 audio can you get out of that so i don't know it doesn't really matter I, I don't, you know, I have a lot to put up to 100 audio that I haven't put up to VFine. I've, you know, again, right. I've stopped with right. VFine a little bit because there's just nothing happening there. There's nothing Especially happening. the new the new thing they have. Although um, although my friend still, uh, Topher, I believe he still gets sales on the old site. That's dumb. I don't understand why that. I know, I don't get thing. it. Either have the old it. site or the new site. What are you, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not sure. Something fishy's going on over there. I've never gotten sales on either of them. I've got one sale on on the old side. Um, so uh, yeah, it's going to be a nice November for royalty free income uh, because I'm I'm getting an audio sparks check. I'm getting a um, a motion array check. I'm getting a, a a nice big fat audio jungle check that's been building nice. over the past month or two. I've Great. got a pond five check. I'll have I have quite a few checks on the fifteenth. It's going to be a sweet fifteenth. Um, also a big paycheck for my other job. So it's going to be next 15th. It's going to be good. Um, I'm also looking forward to my first content ID payment from identify, hopefully on the 31st is what they say on their site, October 31st. So fingers crossed my account is all set. So waiting for that, that's going to help pay a bill or two. Um, and then I have a lot of stuff going on with crucial music right now more pitches going up to them to acceptances into their uh, brand new uh, cover thing. And one is about to one signed early this week, finally, like on the bottom line signed, because you got to go through a lot of steps to get it in. 
And mm -hmm. so one is in the library and then another one is, is just waiting a few more signatures to get in because I have some partners on that. Um, I did Hello Composer uh, episode yesterday uh, live. Very long, but very fun. At least it was long, but uh, it was fun. Also, it's those are always fun to do, and and just I, the channel is slowly growing, and it's kind of cool. Again, it's it's a it's a hobby and a and a and a and, a, and just a fun side channel. But, but it works so you know in groove with make music income because it, it it's the other side of making music income, just the making music part, you know, which I rarely have time to talk about except with you yeah. on the channel because I'm so focused on income type things. But uh, yeah, that went yesterday and that was called what do you compose? Like how do you choose what to compose? And uh, I'm trying to hit kind of a lot of the basics with this and really just this channel is for beginners and media and intermediate. It's not for I had Sammy J. Lane on there yesterday, oh, nice. and he brought a trailer song on, and it was incredible. And he is a, a very, very high-end trailer composer. Yes. But the majority of people on there are still needing help. They're still needing to learn. They're still, uh, and that's that's been kind of my client. You know, I have a teacher's heart, and I teach um, at school, and um, I teach recording and composition at school. And uh, so I enjoy teaching on that channel. Um, totally. I, I did a little bit of short media this week with Adam Ivy, one of the Adam Ivy clips. Um, and uh, I have a brand new class this week, just started Monday. So it's been a, an exciting week with 15 students, which is the largest class I've had yet. And so um, it's, it's very interesting. Average age of about 26, which is mm. cool, uh, I think, to teach people who are anywhere from 19 to 30s, late 30s, and, and everybody in between, and a lot of people coming in with some knowledge, uh, which is not the case, that have already worked in DAWs and things like that. So it's gonna be a fun class. And uh, then other trouble, than that, just client mixes and clients. No, all good students. No, no, uh, no, no, no slackers, doesn't seem like yet. We'll find out when we, we get into Pro Tools Monday. And uh, that's when the slacking <laughs> starts to begin. If you if there's slacking going to come, because you, you when you have start to send getting some folks Pro Tools, to the principal's and, office. <laughs> <laughs> when you get into routing, and you get into uh, automation, uh, that's that's stuff when people start to go. Uh, you know, they start to. Right now, we're just talking about what do you think about this song? How do you feel about audio? Here's how do you critically listen to audio. Next week, it's like mm -hmm. here's Pro Tools. All right, let's start mixing, and here's how to do automation, and here's how to do dynamic effects and time-based effects and all that <clears> kind <throat> of stuff, and mm -hmm. here's how to route them. And uh, it's not like Logic. It's you know there's there's literal routing you have to do from to a literal channel that you have to set up so yeah. it's a it's it's a lot so at that point that's when you start to see uh who's going to in, enjoy it and stick with it and who's <laughs> going to kind of kind of fade and kind of fall back but anyway that's what's happening on my week how about you like a channel fader just fading down <laughs> it's like a fader yes some stay up at zero some stay below or above zero some just fall down all the way down uh um, yeah, my week's been good, man. I'm, uh, as you can see, I'm wearing uh, um, a really cozy house coat. I thought you were in a robe. Brand new house coat. Thought you were in a robe. You need like a pipe, and you'd be like, like a uh, Hugh Hefner. <laughs> yeah, it's a real smoking room jacket. It's very fuzzy and warm, and it's a terrible day here. It's raining. Is it's it cold? cold? It's windy. Um, I was gonna go for a run this morning, but I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take the day off from that. Um, <clears throat> it was my it was my 40th birthday on Tuesday, so my wife got me this. Oh, nice, happy birthday! This I didn't nice know that. jacket. Thank you. You kept that secret. Yeah, I don't like. You to didn't share that with big anybody. Stink about that. Everybody needs to send a Stevie happy birthday messages that sees this. <laughs> you don't. The have chat to. will go crazy <laughs> if you if you go live if you go premiere. Um, so yeah, I got this is a nice little birthday gift for me, which is nice. So I'm wearing it um, <clears throat> on a day in which I need it. But yeah, week's been good. I've just been writing a ton of material. I'm doing some uh, some tension cues for one library. I'm doing some pop tracks and dramedy uh, for another. I'm working on a new project for Artlist Originals, more singer songwriter stuff. 
also finishing up some some lo-fi tracks for them uh i'm starting to get back into the trailer music world um and that's one of the reasons i actually built my uh my pc because i'm gonna be running some pretty cpu intensive uh sessions lots of orchestral libraries and such um and uh yeah i'm gonna be breaking down one of my uh my hip-hop dramedy uh tracks for the academy today i'm gonna be editing and posting that uh right up in the academy as soon as we're done um, doing more Zoom consultations, more one-on-one -on -one talks, which I really, really am enjoying so much. It's just been awesome to uh, connect with some of the members of the Academy. Um, some of these folks have been uh, members for quite a long time, so it's just really nice to kind of have like a face-to-face -face chat with them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. Is that part that. of your Academy? Is that an extra yeah, that's, like Yeah, that's a thing I'm kind of offering. <clears throat> yeah, it's a service I'm offering, like just in the Academy only right now because I have very limited free time, but want to yeah. open it up to... Uh, to you know to everyone uh at some point soon um yeah my halloween track uh speaking of what it what was <laughs> what the twilight zone speaking of the it wasn't really a twilight zone uh, track but uh it was a it was like a, a halloween trap song it's called ghostly cool. gangsters and it did really well ghostly what on ghostly gangsters um, and it did it did well on uh, Motion Rate this last month. It was number one actually for a little while, and uh, I think it's been knocked out of that position um, for a bit. But uh, yeah, it'll be another solid payout uh, for this month. Not as crazy wow. as last month, but uh, it'll be a good one. And um, man, I gotta send them some new tracks. Actually, I just come to think of it, I'm running late for uh, for November, um, so right. <laughs> I gotta get hit at this point. You're not gonna What's hit that? the first at this point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not going to hit the first. Um, so, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I think that's about it for my week. Just, yeah, kind of hunkering down and writing a lot. I'm, I've been kind of um, neglecting my social media uh, as usual. I haven't been able to post anything on Instagram. Um, I barely got uh, a YouTube video in uh, this week. Uh, it was, it was, it's been tough, but uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to prioritize uh, the writing part of my life uh, and getting some new material out there so um let's talk about mixing i let's uh, do it i made some notes for today and i was i was thinking about this because um i was chatting with uh one of the members about about some of these concepts um that have really helped me to sort of improve the way i think about mixing and um some things i picked up along the way um because I mean, mixing is so is so tough it's really really tough it's a mix of like you know, uh, in, intuition and, and experience and listening skills and, and just, I don't know, uh, knowledge about tools and, but also just, um, it's kind of like a dark art. It's, it's very hard to teach it, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and I think it just takes time to develop the skill. Um, but there's three concepts that I want to discuss and you can let me know what you think. I'll just start with one at a time here. Um, okay. the first concept is is focus so this is mostly like this pertains mostly to the idea of volume balancing which i think is kind of like the one of the more key concepts in mixing it's like what elements of the track are going to be playing like the foreground midground and background roles mm -hmm. um i think that this is often like really the most critical aspect of your mix and also the one that i i hear folks struggle with the most um, I think it's really important to always ask ourselves what is uh, the core, um, what's at the root of the track statement? Is it the piano? Is it is it a synth melody? Uh, it could even be the drums in some cases. But we need to decide um, <clears throat> who's the star of the show and who's playing the more supportive role uh, and who's working behind the scenes. And we adjust the volume of those roles accordingly. Um, it, and it seems simple enough, that concept, but a, a very common problem I hear in people's mixes is that um, there's <clears throat> one too many foreground ideas happening at once. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Meaning there's more than one star of the show. And I think that that's a problem because our brains aren't really wired for that. Uh, I, 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 like, I can't have two very specific ideas fighting with each other in a mix um, competing for my attention because uh, it ultimately means that both suffer what do you think of that yeah yeah i always tell people what my particular and when i talk to students about how to mix what they're hearing um i i 
I kind of what I will do is look and then I will listen. I, 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 I tell people not to look at the waves, not to look at the signals and use their ears more. We're doing a lot of critical listening talk this week in the class before we get into any making of audio or listening to audio or mixing of audio. And so one of the exercises they had to do last night was one half of the class watched a song on a video without any sound. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the, the class had to listen in headphones without the video. Mm. And they all had to identify what they were either hearing in the, in the headphones or what they were seeing on the video. And, what, and, and the people who listened heard probably 20% more things than mm. the people watching the video saw. It's because our ears are probably stronger uh, in a lot of ways. And, and, and also the video is not showing every single thing being played all the time, but yeah. you know our ears are really focusing when you don't have it, that video to focus on. And so what I try to do is close my eyes and I listen to the mix and all the instruments that I have. And I'm, I'm literally trying to mix them together, which means hear everything without hearing only one thing. Yeah. Now, yeah, if it's the piano that is a, it's a, it's a piano-led tune, of course the piano's going to need to be heard. But um, I, I do a lot of vocal music. I've mixed a lot of vocals this week, and I, I'm still working yeah. on one. And the trick with that is the vocal has to be the, the focal point of, yes. the, of the mix. But at the same time, you, you, it can't just be the only focal point like we got a song in yesterday on our hello composers broadcast where the the vocal was there but it was so wide in its uh tone and it had so much um range of frequency from low to high that it was mask whenever the vocal came in everything else was kind of like blocked behind it mm. it was so it was so um it was so in the foreground and so yeah. that you can't barely even hear the midground anymore because all the frequencies are covering up all the other frequencies, you know? Yeah. So turning up the bass is not going to help when your vocal has tons of bass in it in that same, in those same frequencies. So oh, yeah, we're, we're going to get to masking. That's, that's okay. An, that's another so thing. So yeah. I just try to listen and, and I go through all the instruments in my mind. Is this, is, can I hear the snare pretty good consistently? Yeah, yeah. Can I hear the kick? consistently i mean i start from the beginning i i'm a top down mixer and top is the is the drum set mm-hmm. and so i will start kick and sometimes bass but kick snare hat everything I, I just try to go through the checklist of all the instruments and if i look at anything i'm looking at the tracks and going am i seeing all of those things i mean hearing all of those things when i close my eyes evenly is mm-hmm. something hidden we'll talk about that in a minute but and how to unhide it but um that's how I. That's how I go. I just go through a checklist and make sure. And if it's the vocal, I'm listening to the vocal and saying, "Can I still hear the band consistently with the vocal, but yet the vocal be just like what you were saying? The vocal be the main thing I'm hearing and and understanding the words without losing the rest of the band and everything they're doing. It's an it's yeah. a subtle art. It's but very I subtle, think, man. Yeah. But I think if you are very careful with with. Uh, <clears throat> Trying to identify, making sure every instrument is in there somewhere. It doesn't have to be loud. Maybe that electric guitar that's going doesn't need to be like really high. Just as yeah. long as you can identify it with by closing your eyes and say, yeah, I hear it in there. It's there. It's subtle. It doesn't need to be super loud. Uh, and it's it's doing its job. That, that's so. just it. It doesn't need to be super loud. And, and that's the thing. It's just like a lot of the elements in a mix... Um, they're not exactly present in terms of being like foreground focused uh, uh, material in your mix. But if you took them away, you would you would be missing something. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, some of these mid ground and background elements are really important is, is, is that there, there's presence there, um, but they don't have to be. And as soon, but as soon as you kind of push them, crank them up and they're sitting right at the front of your mix, then it doesn't make any sense anymore. And it's yeah. just encroaching on the territory of whatever whoever is the star of the show and that could be uh and it, like that could be the vocals for example you know you push that guitar up loud enough and then all of a sudden it's in the vocal territory um so you know and, and like you said it's it's extremely uh, the subtleties it's just all subtlety you know um because <clears throat> i think that uh you know the the, the volume balancing aspect of your mix is just is, is subtlety you know in a nutshell i mean like um 
and I think that finding the 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 place for the drums and the bass to sit is like a classic example. You know, like those are often too loud in mixes and taking up too much real estate, um, and they don't need to be. Like, because if you feel them in the background, then they're doing their job. And I, I so, you know, I, and it's genre dependent too. Sometimes you know, the like in a rock mix or something like the guitars will be really loud and they'll be kind of be right up there with the vocals. You know, but it also depends on who and how it was recorded you know i get so much stuff from nashville that was recorded so well mm. that i could literally pull up the session and basically just play it <laughs> you know and and the drums are consistent the guitars are consistent everything's yeah. consistent because a master engineer recorded it and it came in that way yeah it didn't, right. you don't have to make it good on the outgo um but you know it's not much different with samples because samples and uh, MIDI instruments from Logic or different things like that, those are all pretty already compressed and well recorded. They were they're they're made for to sit with everything else. Everything is made in these things to kind of go together, and mm-hmm. they're all recorded well by professionals. Spitfire stuff, um, you know, Spectrosonic stuff. They're all made very well. Now, how you play them and how how dynamic you are with each of them is going to make them sound weird. But Mm -hmm. I think people need to understand. I see uh, one of the, we always go to compression and I know we're not there yet, but we always go to compression in order to bring stuff up when really we're probably dealing with samples that have already been compressed. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a good, I've read that somewhere in the past 10 years that, Hey, if you've got a great sound from native instruments or a great sound from your synthesizer, remember that that wave was already com- made in a studio and compressed and, and, yeah, and put right. in there. You don't need to add a lot of compression to keyboard sounds. That's right. Now, a kick drum, that's an actual kick drum that was recorded by an actual person or it's a sample. Yeah, maybe that's something that's, that's, that's on there. So, yeah, yeah, that's my two thoughts on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, over compression is is a uh, is a thing to look out for, especially when you're using VST. Over everything, I mean, yeah, over everything. Uh, I've had some students go through and EQ and compress every single track. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I this time when we get into that mixing phase, I'm going to tell them only EQ and because they have to do so many. You know, like that. do two EQs, do mm-hmm. three compressions, mm-hmm. do this, you know, further exercises. But I'm going to really work on them and say, listen to the sound first. If it doesn't need compression. Don't compress it. If it does, if it needs EQ, be very gentle with the the dynamic, the range of of frequency that you bring up. Don't don't yeah. just go, you know, make all the way up or all the way down or whatever. Just be careful with the sounds. Now, a lot of times they're dealing with horribly recorded sounds, so they they're trying to do something. Yeah, and there's so, not there's not much you can do with a horribly recorded sound. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, unfortunately, whatever you do will just make it sound more probably more horrible because we. But I would to. bet you the people that we're talking to right now are dealing with a lot of well recorded samples yeah, and things like that. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, so focus is is the, the is the first concept I wanted to touch on, and um, you know I think I, I think back to like a classic example of this is like I had a back like ten years ago, so I was in this like funk band, and um, the the guy who was writing all the songs he wanted to take it upon himself to to record and like mix the record. It was like his little project, um, and uh, he we recorded it really well. We recorded it in a good studio, um, and. Uh, it's all, it was all instrumental funk music. And uh, the mixes that he had initially, like his demos and everything, um, it was like a classic case of like everything being as loud as everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no, uh, like everything was just competing for the same, uh, same space. Um, and it was hard to listen to because it was like, you just didn't know what to listen to. You didn't know what... Uh, the 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 composer wanted you to listen to um Mm -hmm. and you know the way i saw it was that the like the 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 brass lines like the melodic structure of the of the music was was like the the statement that was like the the core energy of the of the track and and you know the way i saw that that should be kind of like a focus point that should be up front and uh some of the other elements like the drums and and the bass could sit a little bit behind that and the keys especially and they're more supportive um, and so we made adjustments on that level and it sounded a lot better, you know? So when we kind of decided what was, uh, you know, like, cause when you do a mix, you kind of have to, you, you're making decisions about what you want people to listen to. 
um, the most like, you know, and, and you can't have everybody, you can't have uh, somebody pay attention to everything all at once. Yeah. Um, and, and especially when there's vocals, you know, like, cause our, our ears are just drawn to vocals naturally, I think, you know, when we yeah. listen to music. So that has to be a, a focus point. Um, so anyway, let's move on. Um, so next concept is uh, dimension. Um, and dimension for me refers to thinking about your mix in terms of its height, width, and depth. Um, and this is kind of a weird concept um, to some people, but it's one that helps me uh, because um, I don't want my mixes to sound one dimensional. And, and the way that I uh, I get away from that is thinking about um, volume in terms of a track's height. Uh, we already talked about volume balancing. Uh, I think about the stereo field in terms of the width of the track. And I think about the depth in terms of uh, what sounds close and intimate and what sounds distant. Um, and, and on top of that, uh, I think about how do these uh, dimensions all interface with each other and how do we move fluidly within those fields. So a good mix or an interesting mix uh, is one that's not static. Uh, we need to you know, explore movement within the dimensions, dimensions themselves in order to build interest in the track. So things can move um, closer or further away you know, uh, in a, in a track things, uh, you know, moving left and right in the stereo field, for example, things getting quieter or louder. Uh, these dynamics are really, really important. I think that that really helps our track feel alive. Um, you know, I think about how, uh, to use automation, uh, specifically to kind of push and pull within the space that these, uh, of each of these dimensions, uh, to create tension and build excitement throughout the track. And this is a, I think that this is the real, really magical aspect of mixing that um, very often gets overlooked. Uh, and it's an aspect that we can, um, that we can use to kind of help us build narrative uh, throughout the structure of our songs. Yeah, I often tell students, um, if I only gave you EQ and panning, you could probably mix pretty well. And volume control. You could probably mix mm -hmm. pretty well, but but EQ can actually help can actually do volume control. In other words, yeah. oh yeah, you could use what is EQ. Control? Yeah, so you could use EQ to control uh, the sound of things. Panning is the other thing. I, one of the things that w we talked about the other night during the history of recorded sound was the invention of stereo or the introduction of stereo equipment in the '40s and '50s. And right. I'm like, you have no idea how big a deal this is because you're used to stereo at, at everything. And you you literally walk around with two stereo receivers on your head all day long. Yeah. And exactly, so yeah. we live in stereo. The reason you know there's a tiger coming from over here is you hear the rawr and the footsteps. Or the reason you know there's a car coming over here or, or someone saying something to you over here is because you have this ear over here that's hearing that. And so I talk about there's nothing better for mixing than putting everything in its place around the stereo spectrum. And especially vocals, background vocals, especially anything that is basically not kick drum or the human voice, uh, as far as this, the, the main singer, maybe the snare drum, even though I've heard some people talk about putting the snare drum slightly left or right, depending on your drummer perspective. Yeah. The hi-hat, certainly. I mean, you can take a drum set that you get seven files for and you get hi-hat as one of them in the toms or other things mm -hmm. and maybe even overheads or the other thing and instantly by using panning you get a wide sounding lovely drum set versus a just a you get a lovely uh panned stereo drum set yeah and uh that's just by panning you've done nothing to the drum set yet other than pan it and suddenly it sounds great yeah, yeah. and it's the same with background vocals where you have a group of four three or four or six or whatever you can put those people all around the stereo spectrum and have a great sound put them in certain places keep it tight keep it wide all sorts of things you can do there you can bring out an instrument that you can't hear just by simply panning it over to the left or right to 25 degrees or mm -hmm. or something like that just just a little bit so that suddenly it has its own space in the orchestra when we see an orchestra live we're seeing the orchestra laid out across the stage the violins are stage uh, well, are, are to the left if you're watching, if you're looking at it. Yeah. And then the violas and then the cellos are to the right of the conductor. And then the double basses are farther to the bass. And then 
everything in the orchestra has its place. And so um, these are things to know from a stereo perspective if you're mixing orchestral things. Now, a lot of times these samples are going to already be in that. They're going to be stereo samples already in their place in where the orchestra, yeah. where they should be. That's right. But a, a band wouldn't be any different. Um, uh, it, it, uh, there's other things that you could mix. And Man, I just can't talk about how important the stereo field is in mixing. It's so um, important because because it, it's just it's the secret weapon of of how to separate instruments from each other. Yeah, you've and, got and, two guitars, two electric guitars, yeah. pan them separately from each other so that they 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 don't get in each other's way. Yeah, know? there's there's certain instruments like guitars that are just absolutely uh, yeah. It's magic. Sound amazing Acoust- two acoustics playing the yeah, same thing. Yeah, two acoustics panned is just lovely. Oh, man. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's just I mean, people get a little people get crazy with the panning sometimes. And it's like sometimes I think that, you know, like hard panning things isn't always the it depends. It, it depends. It's very subjective. But yeah, like I'll do things like, you know, with a, like a verse vocal, for example, like, you know, we'll be tight you know, down the middle and then have the background sort of like pan f- further out to sort of elevate uh, the space or like push the space of where that vocal is happening uh, in the chorus just to kind of build, you know, build some energy. And these things are dynamic throughout the mix, right? We can yeah. push and we can pull that energy. It doesn't have to be static and the same throughout the whole mix. And so I think it's really important to kind of play with these with these dimensions and and same with depth too like using reverb in the right places and like having sort of like you know the lower energy kind of be focused and intimate having some of the uh you know some of uh, the, the the higher frequency ranges be uh, you can play with the, the field um and 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 create some ambience with you know things sounding further away and that and that creates a sense of depth in the track so it doesn't all sound like it's enclosed in this like little box you want it to kind of feel like you're in the room with the music um, yeah. So you have to you have to reflect that with the way you're using reverb and delay and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, there's um, two kinds of effects that we 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 preach to the to the to the students, and one is dynamic effects, which is EQ and compression and things like that, and then we mm-hmm. get into the time-based effects, which is reverb and delay mainly, but also chorus right. and, and modulation things. Yeah, yeah. but um, those are. Those are huge. Now, I did want to say while you're talking about reverb, unless you're going to go farther into effects, are you going to go into effects further, or is that on your list? Or uh, no, we can. Um, or, or, or let me just say what I'm going to say about it now, because this yeah, is one on, of the things ahead. I wrote down originally. Yeah. And this is what I tell my students. They are all like, "How many reverbs should I put in this?" And I'm like, "Well, I'd put one in," because my my thought is, especially if I'm, let's say, I'm mixing a rock band, I am going to use generally one good verb and and I'm going to let everybody have a part of that verb and depending on where I want them in the mix I will give them less or more of that reverb and the reason I do that is because um, if I'm mixing a band that's in the same room together but they didn't cut in the same room together which is usually the case in 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 studios where the drums are in a in a room and the piano's in a room and the guitar players and his amps in a room and all that kind of stuff is I'm going to a lot of times, now I'm not talking about delays so much here, as much as reverb and the space that you're listening to of the of the mix. But especially if you're just starting out, don't throw on a ton of different kinds of reverbs. Start with one good verb and think, okay, this space is a stage in a warehouse. And what am I trying to accomplish with the sound of this mix? And that way you can use your your large your room and really crank it on your room sound or or your room mics you can keep it less cranked on what's close what's right up next to the thing your overheads might have a little bit more on it like right away with a mix i compress the kick i compress the the snare i put a little of the verb on the snare i put the little verb on the overheads and uh, i pan the drums accordingly and that's my drum mix I, i it's kind of like um, one of the first things I put on my uh, list here was mix as you go. And these are things that I do right away with every single mix. It's like the, mm-hmm. I call it the Air Copeland school of speed mixing because I have this just list of things that I'll just go do in right away. It's, it's not in a template necessarily, but I will go through and just do these things right away and, um, uh, put compression on the uh, kick and snare. And really that's all at first and mm-hmm. uh, maybe on the bass, but usually not again, because it's been recorded well. and But I think the same room idea 
as far as verbs is a good place to start for beginners or people who are just starting with mixing. Now, do different things need different reverbs for different effects? Sure. But personally, I just start with the same room. And then if I need more effects for certain things, then I will do that. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think it, it's, uh, it, it, it totally depends. Because um, I tend to use different reverbs on different, uh, different types of reverbs on different tracks uh, with different decays. Um, different uh, levels of, of wet and dry mix, uh, but yeah, I mean for sure there's there's uh, there's definitely um, some some advantages to using like say an auxiliary reverb and and like bussing multiple instruments into that so that it has kind of a more cohesive feel uh, yeah. to it and it sounds like it's all in the same room. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking yeah. put, about putting the same verb on every channel. I'm talking about bussing of the. Uh, all the channels or yeah, the channels yeah, no. I'm using to a one one effect. Yeah, no, I get it. And you're also saving on CPU power, yeah. especially uh, too. Um, I, I do a bit of both. Uh, I tend to, you know, in terms of mixing as you go, I tend to, you know, apply some like light processing to uh, the ideas and the instruments that I'm putting into the track as I go along. And then I kind of do some further adjustments when I start grouping instruments together. You know, that's always been my, my style. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I mean, in terms of how you're applying reverb, whether it be on track or tracks individually or uh, as an auxiliary uh, or a tool, um, then, it, you know, it, it depends. Each has their each has its its benefits and, and its drawbacks. And um, I think it depends on the genre a bit, too. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, putting an auxiliary reverb on like a drum set mix, for example, like, you know, might make sense in a lot of cases. Some sometimes orchestral um, type tracks that do that kind of thing. Um, and and yeah, I mean, that's you a know, whole that's a whole video we could go into. Just yeah, exactly. It is just on reverb. Totally, there's these are such dense subjects, and people make, yeah, really make whole long, hour long videos about this kind of stuff. It's hard yeah, to and sum you can it find up. that. We're just trying to give you some yeah. hints on on how to how to how to get your mixes sounding uh, sounding better quickly. And I think some of these things like EQ panning, automation is another thing you were talking about movement earlier. And yeah. I think that when we teach automation, the whole question about it is, or the whole thought about it is, is how this is how a mix can have movement um, is that automation can happen, bringing things up and down in volume, bringing things up and down. I, I will um, automate um, reverb a lot of times where I want you know, something to have some more or less of the of the verb or, or more of the dimensions of the verb or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really do a lot of ton of stereo, I mean, panning automation. I think that can get really old, but it um, I can see why people would use it on certain things. And students do it all the time just because they think, oh, this is fun. It's going back and forth and back and forth. I'm like, yeah, you're making me sick. Stop doing it. It's, <laughs> I'm getting seasick. But um, yeah, it I is, think automation is, it is, it is disorienting, important. actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, I do some uh, uh, some panning automation, but it's never. It's usually never like extreme it's subtle, uh, left, probably. right. Yeah, it's more subtle. Um, there's a great t uh, uh, plugin I use, actually, by Output called Movement. Uh, which is it does automation like filtering, delay, and uh, and panning automation all at once. It's very very cool. Uh, check cool. it out if you want to add some easy movement uh, ideas to your track. Um, let's move on to the the third and the last uh, concept here, um, which is tone shaping. Um, and uh, you know, we we could have everything super balanced in terms of volume in our mix. Uh, and we may be using, uh, you know, the dimensions that we were just talking about to its maximum potential, um, but perhaps we're still struggling with uh, masking issues. So this is something we touched on a bit earlier, but I want to revisit it because um, what masking refers to really is the is a frequency overlap between instruments in um, in your mix. So if your mix is sounding kind of really muddy, for example. Uh, it's often because uh, there's masking in your lower mid-range, for instance. So this is common, um, especially common when using orchestral libraries. Uh, say, for example, if you're using, uh, or if you have the brass and the strings kind of both resonating uh, somewhere in that lower mid-range, uh, you might need to do some like carving or some tone shaping with the EQ um, to help them live better side by side. Now, oftentimes our masking issues are actually just a result of arrangement issues. Um, so a great example of that would be uh, stacking like thirds and fifths in in like too closely together in the lower register of an instrument. Um, and this is something that's really important to remember because the lower you get in an, inst in, in an instrument's register, um, the more energy 
there is. And the more uh, you need to space things out because the audible overtones in those lower ranges will clash, uh, clash with each other. Um, so that aside, um, you know, we can often make really subtle adjustments like, you know, or like low or high pass filtering uh, to cut out the unnecessary clutter uh, in our mixes. And uh, while it m might be, you know, uh, unnoticeable by uh, taking that approach on one instrument, uh, it, you know, it really adds up in the end, if yeah. you, especially if you have a lot of uh, instruments in your mix. So, uh, for instance, I use a lot of synths. Um, in my lo-fi tracks and they, and they often carry, um, this information in like the sub ranges or like, and, and the lower ranges that just isn't necessary to the, yeah. in the mix. So I'll do a lot of, uh, 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 high pass filtering on them, meaning I'm letting the higher frequencies pass through and I'm shutting out the, the sub range completely. Uh, other times my electric guitar, for example, will have some low level, like hiss on, like on the high end, a bit of a noise floor. Um, and sometimes, so sometimes I'll, I'll just cut out, you know, the, the highs with a low pass filter. Um, and these types of like really, you know, uh, simple, like tone shaping exercises with an EQ, um, you know, it's a really, it's a really powerful tool. It's going to yeah. be able to add a lot of clarity to your mixes, but it's, it's such a powerful tool that you, I think that you, you actually have to be really careful, uh, when using it, you have to show some restraint, um, and not cut too drastically. And that's like, that's like a, like a, like a rookie move is like it's doing too much cutting and like getting rid of some of those frequencies that you actually need thinking that uh that you know maybe they were uh causing some of the masking issues so it's it is a it's a difficult thing i have two two examples of what you're talking about here i was mixing this morning and i have a ch beautiful cello sound in this song that i'm mixing with a lady who's singing in a general alto range mm -hmm. and she ends on a c a middle c Right. Uh, out of this phrase and I have a cello well your my first thought was the cello would sound beautiful right in that area as a doing a little transitional movement type of thing well the problem is if she's holding out a D and a C and I start playing that cello around D or C because of the sound of the cello because of the sound of her particular voice they're one of them's going to be masked so yeah. I couldn't do that I had to either do a high melody or a low type of thing on the cello or whatever because the vocal is is the winner, right? The vocal gets gets first uh, first importance. But the other thing that I want to say is that don't play a chord below middle C. <laughs> Just this is like one of the things I tell students <laughs> all the time. You're going to be tempted, especially with your. They have little two octave keyboards in front of them, and they and they're too lazy to even press the sometimes the uh, octave button. The octave. <laughs> but they'll find a chord, and they'll just be told you got to put a chord in. So they'll play a chord, uh, and it's like, bong. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like it's a, a noise, an octave below middle C, and it's just a full chord. And I'm like, listen, you've got to play your chords um, above middle C. No, we don't play chords down there because of all the overtones that creates, and that's a simple thing, but. You'd be surprised how many people are are put like you said thirds and fifths, and and we don't even want to get into music theory about parallel fifths and all that kind of stuff. But um, but low frequency chords cause problems, and yes. so many people with synthesizers and string sounds and all that stuff are having cellos play one three five, you know, below middle C, and it's yeah. just going to cause you a lot of issues. Yeah. So same keep with, same with brass, like the lower brass, like trombones, yeah. and and. Uh, uh, space like those chords out. Sometimes. You got octaves. You can yeah. space chords out, and you don't yeah. have to make it one three five. You can put one five three or one three. You know one, and then go up an octave and put the three, and then the five can be. I mean, you, there's so many things you can do, and um, and invert chords and all that kind of stuff. But watch your chords below middle C. That's just a issue I see with, especially with new musicians who are trying to figure out how to make how to make uh, beats or make um, tracks yeah. is that they are putting uh, chords low and it messes yeah. everything up. It's a simple thing. It's a simple thing to pay attention to and it makes a massive difference when you, and also, when you get out of that habit. Play bass in the bass range. You don't play bass up here. You play bass down here. This is where the bass is played. And, <laughs> uh, and, and also know where your bass, what your bass can play. I just am putting a video together that I talked about last week and Hell Composers about when I play bass, I try to think like a bass player. Where does a bass player play and what are the limitations of a modern bass? Not, yeah. not a, an affected bass or a bass with pedals or anything strange like that, but the regular bass you pick up off the wall, it goes down to E. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a note that it goes down to. Most basses on most stages are going to play a low uh, an E as their lowest bass unless they're tuned down for some reason or they're uh, it's an upright or a fretless or something. But that that might be a difference. But um, anyway, that's getting more into the things. But what you're talking about is the tones that get down there and just mess the frequencies that mess everything up. And yeah. if you can't, if you don't want to get into a lot of EQing, just just don't don't make the mistake of of putting stuff in each other's frequencies. You, and you can do that. That's almost a thing, a mix as you go thing. Be careful you're not overplaying, you know, in a certain area, uh, frequency area. So. Yeah, and I, I think I think you know EQ speaking to it being such a powerful tool. It's it's one of these things that I think and I'm sure you notice this with your students. As soon as you get an EQ and you see an EQ for the first time like a digital one especially, you're just you're just boosting like oh, yeah. like that it's so awesome. That part of the instrument sounds awesome. Let's boost it. EQ is, is, I think, is really it's meant to be more of a like I use it more as a as a as a reductive tool rather than um, yeah so as a subtractive tool right where I'm I'm getting rid of things I don't need um, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to boost the things that you like uh, you can just do that by turning it up and if you do <laughs> do it subtly do it in small yeah. little bumps Sometimes not big I, huge yeah. loops yeah that, right I mean yeah just thinking back I mean this is stuff I used to do over compress over EQ, over boost, uh, everything. Um, it, it's yeah, it's it's subtle, but I try I, to again, use compression like, as little as possible. I, uh, I try to ease back on it too, and it, it depends because sometimes the the genre asks for some pretty aggressive compression. Yeah. Um, sometimes yeah. when I'm doing lo-fi, like you know, hip hop, for example, could really push the compression on the drums to color it in a certain way. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, over. With EQ, I think it's like I'm not the opposite of the boost problem is the is like taking too much away problem, and yeah. I sometimes I'm guilty of this. You know, even now I I uh, will do I do things like take um, too much mid low mids out of the out of my acoustic guitars sometimes, and in, in an effort to try to make them sit in the mix better. But sometimes I'll yeah. lose that really really important information in in the low mids, and like and depending on how the mix shapes up, like sometimes you really want to represent that. Um, and it's tempting to get rid of them because they sound so, you know, they sound so like honky. Um, but you actually need them more than you than you realize. And, ag and again, for new mixers, don't um, for things that are already recorded. Now, if you're recording your own guitars and your own basses and your own drums, that's a different deal because you got to know how to record them in the first place well. Mm -hmm. And if you don't record them well, then you might have to do more fixing with EQs and compression and things like that. But if you're talking about samples, if you're talking about beats or loops that you already have that are on the computer already that come with Logic or whatever you're working with, there's not a lot of affecting you have to do. You don't have to go in and boost a lot of stuff in the EQs of those instruments. They have, they're pretty much the way they should sound or the way yeah. they wanted them to sound. Yeah. So you don't have to take that, that cello and in order to get it to cut, really boost up that, you know, middle range or mid lower mid range it's going to do that on its own if it's a good sample yeah. and um yeah i just think that could be overused a lot and uh, again with with things that have already been recorded for you and sample libraries you do not need to be compressing them a lot most probably it's it's all it's all relative to how things are working together you know it's yeah. like how you, it's it's like a sample by itself might sound amazing but you might need to do some tone shaping to it in order yeah. for it to live appropriately in its lane in the mix. And that's ideally where, you know, I think you want to get, you want everything living in its own lane um, and not fighting with each other too much. That's part that's, of a, that's part of my mix as I go though. I, I tend not to choose things that are going to fight with something else. Just, just as a, now sometimes you yeah. can't help it, but I just try to, uh, you know, garbage in, garbage out, just don't put garbage in. Yeah. And so if you already have something in a range, no reason to add another instrument to that range that's going to compete with it. Go to go into another direction, another uh, frequency range with another instrument or with the other instrument or whatever. Yeah, totally. um, are you want to talk real quick about um, some 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 quick mastering things? Um, what else you got before this? Uh, yeah, Anything I mean, else? mastering is such a is such a dense subject. We're, all, we're well, almost out. I just hour wanted here. to say uh, one thing that we started to do when I first started teaching with these students is that they said. We don't want to get too much into letting them master things. In other words, let's not put too many limiters on, let them get too into limiting their master bus. And so at the first two classes, I didn't let them use 
L2 at all, or I should say um, uh, any kind of uh, limiter limiting at all. Now, some of them did because they were smart and they already knew about limiting, but most of them just tried their best to get a good mix, which is very hard when you have loud and soft things happening to get a good sounding. Uh, and, and then the guy who take over next, who does, you know, the next stage and stuff, it says, man, the gain staging is horrible because it's so low. It's so quiet. Uh, you know, and so I'm letting them do more like light limiting, basically just stopping it from going over, you know, zero or minus one or something like that, yeah, just, just so that they can like, just clipping. so, <laughs> yeah, just so we don't have any clipping. And yeah. I do that with every mix. I'm doing it on this right now. I have what I call initial L2. L2 is a Waves plug-in, it's basically a, it's a, it's just a limiter, the L2 multi-maximizer. I've had it for literally 20-something years or more. And it yeah, is just... Waves, right? Classic waves. waves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it comes in the mastering package, which is what I have. I have the mastering bundle. Mm -hmm. And, um, but just, I'm not going to go into the mastering, uh, my mastering stuff, but um, start with, <clears throat> have a limiter on when you're starting work, just so that you keep things under control and you, you're working at a reasonable volume the whole time versus coming into the end and going, okay, everything's too loud, now what do I do? And by having a limiter, just a simple limiter, not it, it's not doing anything. It's, the threshold is way up high. It's not, it's not pushing, it's not squeezing, it's not doing anything, but it's just letting everything through without letting it get too loud. That way you can use appropriate volumes as you're mixing and mixing as you go and making sure that, and it, you know where things sound good. I know that it's about 11 o'clock or 11.30 on this particular interface where I like to hear things here or hear things in the speaker. I know that's about where I like it and I know that's what's gonna translate out of here and, and by keeping things at about minus 0.5 dB, I, I nothing gets louder than that. It's loud enough. It's uh, but I not but I don't squash it super. Well, even when I master, I, I'm not a big squasher. I know you do for certain styles that you do just because they have to be. Yeah, but it, it um, depends. And generally, again, it's like my, one of those really subjective things. It's it's and yeah. it's like I don't want to go down the rabbit hole with mastering because it's just no. such a it's such a subject. But um, yeah, I mean, I but, I don't I don't work with like a limiter on my on my master bus. I just keep very close attention to the gain staging and where where the you know the, the peaks are um but i think that that's a good call you know <clears throat> mine's not with, doing with anything your... it's just keeping yeah, yeah, yeah. it from clipping no i hear you, know? you i hear you i think it's um i think just like understanding limiting alone for your students is a good place to start with it yeah um, yeah um, it's all introductory I, I mean i don't really teach them compression i just show them how the threshold works and and how uh, how because you can get really deep into compression and limiting and all that kind yeah. of stuff and I don't have time to do that. There's other professors that teach them that in later classes. So yeah, there but you go. Uh, they they those are good concepts to learn and you can learn that on YouTube just about anywhere. So I think in conclusion here, I just to you know to reiterate the three things that um, you know I, I would I would consider every time you sit down and mix. Uh, and I'm not saying like, you know, at, at the end of your, your composition, like Eric is mentioning here, like we, we, we both kind of mix as we go. Um, and the, the three things that I try to think about is all the time is, is what's the focus of my track? What's, what's in the foreground? What's in the background? Uh, how do I play with the dimensions? And how do I make things sound interesting with movement throughout the stereo field, depth, close, far away? Um, and, uh, how do I shape everything tonally so that everything is kind of living in its own lane, sitting, uh, side by side and, uh, and not fighting with each other. Those are the, those are the three, uh, essential concepts that I think about every time I sit down to, to, to write a track and, and I'm thinking about them throughout the entire process. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, yeah, um, I would say both of us, neither of us probably go, okay, I've created this track now. When am I going to find time to mix it? Because it's usually pretty mixed by the time we get done. It's usually we, pretty mixed. It's fine-tuning when I get to the to the end part. Like, I do a little fine-tuning. But, yeah, it's it's pretty sure. mixed. Yeah. And I would agree with all those things. The, other, the only other thing I would say as far as the third point about everything living together, I, I also think about what space they're living together in. And that's just something that I do. And I think that's, it's kind of old school, but it's just the way I, I like to think of things. Because you can have people 
putting all these effects in and and everything is in a different space but that kind of goes to your third your third point where yeah if the drums are huge in this huge cavern but and the bass is really tight and then the guitars yeah. are kind of in a in a little room and everything that doesn't mean they doesn't are not s- sitting together it doesn't sound you know? connected you need no. yeah things need to sound connected um, yeah hope uh, ideally <laughs> yeah cool so, man yeah, yeah that Great I think that uh, that that gives you a good kind of. I mean, this in no way is a mixing primer, even, but it's just some things to look out for and think about as you are as you're composing music and you're putting it down in your DAW. I think these are things that uh, will certainly help you. These are yeah. our little lessons for you. So, <laughs> just for you, and just for you. Um, Absolutely. Well, yeah. Let, let us listener. know what you guys think in the comments. Uh, you know, throw, throw down some thoughts. Uh, let us know if we missed anything. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Let us know what your process is. We're always down to hear from you guys, and it's always great uh, when we get the comments. And uh, um, I guess we'll leave it there. That was fun. Yep. All right, everybody. And, well, uh, thanks for joining us today, and we will talk at you next week here on the podcast and on YouTube. That's right. All See right. you soon. Bye. See you later. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy, and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.